Hello, you're very welcome to uh, Season 3, Episode 3 of uh, Two Hands and a Hurl Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Mansfield, and I'm joined by uh, TJ Mills. How's it going, Teach? Good, thanks. And yourself, Robbie, really smooth introduction there, actually. I like it. Fair play. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, just Sunday afternoon there, uh, in between some sporting events at the minute. Uh, how's your weekend going? Hey, going good. Um was meant to have a dinner dance last night, but I sacrificed it to finish a college project. Uh, how times have changed. But uh, right. yeah, no, good now. Um, looking forward to the Kilkenny Tipperary match now. And uh, yeah, it's just what a weekend for sport. Actually, I missed the first half of the, the rugby yesterday. I had an interview and what a game to what a game but we'll discuss that later on yeah it was incredible especially the first half was just uh was just all all action all go yeah but we're going to start off with some uh, ga stuff and we'll get to the games in a minute but we're going to talk about just um during the week there was highlighted that waterford had a guy behind the goal and he was you know he was either kind of he had like a in communication with the sideline so he was obviously telling telling the the goalkeeper where to puck the ball and sort of stuff like that. So and uh you had a few GA commentators mentioning it. Um someone saying it was pathetic as well that this was happening. But um is it not kind of a a natural sort of extension like you see in the in the NFL you have the guys they're they're getting direct orders from the sideline each play uh, on what to do. So is it kind of, you know is it kind of moving with the times or is it something that you think there's shouldn't happen at all well from personal experience kind of working with teams if you're working with an intercounty team I always loved to be in the stand if I could instead of being on the sideline and the reason behind that is you're able to see the movement around the field you're able to read where an opposition are able to kind of feed off of maybe a weakness that may be in the side that you're involved with. So in that context, it's a really interesting, like from playing a bit on goal years ago, a goalie has a great view of a game because they're able to see the movement of the forwards. They're able to see the way their own backline is being maybe dragged out or the runs that the opposition are doing. Um so in that perspective, it's really interesting. Um, like, would you really get a huge benefit out of it? I, I don't know, because that's work that would be done, say, with a goalkeeper during the week in training. Um, and another perspective of looking at it, now this could be completely wrong, but I know if I was say, playing on goal, I wouldn't like someone kind of looking over my shoulder, if that makes sense. Now, the way Watford are doing it is very clever because no one, no official is allowed behind the goal um, during a game. And there was an incident a few years ago where Brian Cody went down behind the goal. I, I forget what all earned it was, but it would have been one of the in the early days, maybe early 2000s or that, and it was coming towards the end of the game and he was told to move away. So the way Watford are doing it is very clever. Um, in that context, until last night, 
where the leash um, stewards told the Watford officials to move away from behind the goal uh, because the terrace was closed off. Now, it took him 42 minutes to do it, but uh, he was asked to move away. But um, it's interesting, but would you learn a lot from it, say, then having someone up in the stand? I'm not 100% sure. Being honest, I think it'd be more of a distraction for the goalie. Yeah, and you could have a direct I communication, though, say, if you know there's someone in the sideline. Sorry, I couldn't cross you there. Um, I'm just going to say oh, that no, 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 if you can imagine that someone's in the stand and they're saying, oh, there's space, you know, at a certain part of the field, and then they relay, relay that information straight to the guy who is uh, behind the goal, and then he says it, then it's, it's kind of, you know, it's not anything pre-rehearsed, right? it's just like the guy in the stand, as you're saying, can see the game better, and it's like, okay, we have space here, hit the space that's, you know, in this section or whatever, and the communication is going straight to the, the goalkeeper, maybe maybe that's what happened, no? Yeah, but that's a valid point, Robbie, but I mean, in the context of, say, inter-county games compared to, say, club games, unless they're in, held in a county ground, you have four people allocated around the pitch. Um, you, they're usually classed as uh, water, water men or women, but they're more than that because they're, and that's no disrespect to anyone that does water, but what I mean is they're strategically chosen to do that. There are people that have a real in-depth knowledge of the game. So basically, you could have a selector or a coach standing with a water bottle classed as a water carrier um, to instruct either the back line or the, the forward line. So in that context, there's, it, it, I, I couldn't really see a benefit. I, I'd rather having someone up in the stand what I used to really enjoy doing. Now, if you take it, it's league matches, Robbie. I mean, if it was, say, something you wanted to do in a challenge game or something like that, yeah, okay, you might say here, there might be something because you might be trying out a new tactic, you might be trying out a new formation or something like that. But if you take the the guts of an all earned semi-final in Croke Park, where you have Croke Park nearly at full capacity, you're not going to have someone in Hill 16. You're not going to have someone in... You're not going to hear them anyway. Exactly. And no matter what, I mean, you're not going to have a team official that's going to travel up on the bus and walk back out to Croke Park, which is hard enough to get into in the context if you're with a team unless you're travelling on the bus or you have the proper kind of identification or tickets to get in. It's very hard to get from, say, the dressing rooms out onto the pitch or from stands down onto the pitch. So in that context, using it in the league, it's from the championship that you're nearly going to have to have the full focus on. You could imagine Watford and Tip in Semple Stadium and you have someone up in the in one of the towers below in Semple Stadium. It, it, that's when you would need someone like that. You're not going to have him behind the goal. You're going to either have him up in the stand. And another thing that's after coming in, that's after replacing the man in the stand is nearly every team 
have three or four people employed to look at every moment of the game through the stats. Like I started off doing stats for teams and you had a pen and paper doing them. Now it's actually multiple cameras around the grounds. You have iPods, you have laptops, you have live recordings of the game. And I don't mean the images. You're actually editing um, segments of the match like they do on television. But this is for the managers or the coaches to put the point across in the dressing rooms. So utilising it in the league, I see no purpose to it. Um, And... It, I was listening to an interview when I was heading into a job interview yesterday. It was um, Barry Hickey on the community radio here. And he was on about the size of the the size of the backroom teams and how Kilkenny always seemed to have a condensed backroom team. And there's nothing that can be drive and ambition of players someone standing behind the goal in the league match isn't going to be the winner or losing of an all or No one remembers what happens in February when it comes, I was going to say September, when it comes July. So, yeah. interesting, but I see no point to it at all. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, Kilkenny there, Kilkenny have a big enough game today against Tipperary. There's, uh, there's no, there's no uh, love lost between these two teams ever. They always like to beat each other. Um Tipperary kind of going through a bit of a transition phase. Didn't have a great year last year. Um, so how do you, do you see Tipperary coming to town really to try and lay down a marker, to try and really, um, you know, put the cats, you know, put the cats on their heels in the game? Or do you see them kind of just coming in to try out a few players like other teams are doing or just maybe trying out different uh, combinations and players? Do you think, or do you think they're coming to town to win? It, there's an interesting perspective on it, Robbie, and I'm not going off topic. I actually want to announce something as well. There's a challenge game between Kilkenny and Tipperary taking place in Semple Stadium in Turles next week. It's for uh, the memory of Dylan Quirk and the Tipperary. Um, I forget his club. I should know it. Um, oh, Clonmore, Castellini. I, I have to look up that and I apologise. But it's in the memory of Dylan Quirk and it's a challenge game in Simple Stadium. So the reason why I want to highlight that is it's a great foundation because they're um, investigating a sudden, a sudden death syndrome and they're setting up the foundation to do tests around the country and all of that. And Kilkenny and Tipperary are facing off. Now, bringing that context into it, that they're playing in a challenge match next week for a great um, cause, I think that'll be the time to kind of try out different strategies and new players. Today, it's going to be gung-ho because you have local bragging rights. You have, as you say, Tipperary trying to bounce back from... um, a poor campaign last year. You also have Lean Cal after going in there, who's the Ballingarry man, um, a proud Tipperary man, and he will want to show that it was the right decision. Um, there's a lot of pressure actually on Tipperary this year because of the treatment of Colin Bonner, 
um, only getting one one year in the role uh, last season. So, and you can see already Tipperary are trying out different things, players in different positions that you wouldn't think. Um, so the time for trying out players and all of that, I think, will be next week. The game today will be like, both teams are preparing for the All Ireland, so I expect a real cracker of a game. Um, looking at both teams, and this is insane if Tipperary get the win today or anything. Kilkenny seem to be more experimental than Tipperary. Tipperary seem to be after putting out a stronger side. Um, and I'm not diminishing any of the players that are starting for Kilkenny. They're all exceptional players. But Derek Ling this year is using the league to kind of find that one or two players that would have been considered maybe missing in dollar and final last year. And if you look at Billy Drennan, the great run he's doing from freeze and in corner forward, it'd be interesting to see come later in the year, will Billy Drennan be on the freeze after being on him earlier in the year or will TJ Reid be on him? And if Billy Drennan is on him, will that give TGRE kind of more freedom to roam around, set up plays and all of that. But um, the game today I expected to be like an All-Ireland. Anytime Tipperary comes to Nolan Park, there's yeah, definitely the no love loss. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then we have another big game today is um, Cork and Galway. And uh, uh, Henry is um, at the helm in Galway. So, you know, Cork, you know, had a Good second half last week against Limerick. Um, they kind of so they're on a bit of a high after beating Limerick, I suppose. And um, yeah, Galway, Galway are going to be looking to. I'm not sure if it's in Porky Cueva where it is, but um, you know, Galway will be looking to uh, kind of get get a win under the belt as well against Cork. Um, so how do you see that game going? Um, like both teams after having good wins, um, are chanting to uh. A former work colleague from Wexford, um, Wexford just completely disappeared in the second half. There, they just seemed legged a bit, was what I was told, and what uh, that was the impression I got from the game. Um, Cork, I mean, were shocking in the first half against Limerick. They really were, and came good and, um, really pushed on and got the victory in the end. I think this personally is a bigger game for Cork. Um, Galway is disappointed as they would be at pushing Limerick as close as they did in the All-Iron semi-final last year. Would have kind of not as much to gain from a victory today as Cork would, um, if that makes sense, because they got to the All-Ireland semi-final last year, got to the Leinster final as well. Um, so for Cork, a victory today will really show well. Well, they put all the doubts out of the head saying here, Limerick's first game, they're in All-Ireland champions. Sure, they only put out a side. They're not taking the league serious. Um, a victory for Cork today will really set it up. And listening to the attitude of the Cork manager last week, I was really impressed by him because he, he all the... Everything he said was on about the passion he has for 
the the Cork side and how much a confidence boost that would be. And he's talking about, which I hope doesn't happen, <laughs> is an All-Ireland victory for Cork within the next three to five years. So that's where I think there's more to be gained for a Cork victory today. Now, in saying that, no one remembers who won the league match when it comes to the nip and tuck of the championship. But um, a Cork victory today would be some confidence going into what will be an unreal monster championship. Yeah, definitely. And um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, and you were kind of saying to me off air about another story that's potentially brewing in the in the GA world. Yeah, no, there's very little we can say on it, but the Irish Independent are running a story before it was um, actually published. I got a text message involving um, a fraud investigation that's taken place with Gardy into a, a well-known GEA star and personality. Um, so it's not really much can say on it because um, the, the Gardy investigation, but kind of after studying journalism and all of that, there's newspapers are very careful around libel laws at the moment, and especially with well-known um, personalities and all of that. So um, it's it, there's an awful lot of rumours. There's an awful lot of talk going around GA circles around the country. So um, there's no mention of what county... Um, the, the person's from um, or their gender or anything like that but um, there's a lot of rumours going around and um, hopefully hopefully after the investigation will it be found that it isn't true but um, uh, we can't really say any more on it but it's um, it's very serious allegations anyway that's being put out there yeah, so uh, potentially big story coming out during the week. Uh, cool, so we're going to move on. We're going to go on to the rugby, the rugby that was on yesterday. And you were saying you missed the first half of the rugby, but the first half was, uh, you know, probably one of the best halves of rugby I've ever seen. So you missed out, definitely. You should watch the highlights back. But, um, yeah, Ireland played great, and France played well as well. Um, there was a few different talking points. I don't know if you've seen the, the low try. Um, yeah, if he was, um, there's a lot of French people saying that he was out of play, uh, but he did, you know, acrobatics stay in play, um, on that. But, uh, I don't know, did you get a chance to see that one back? I think he must have watched Superman before the game or something because it was just unbelievable. It was definitely a try. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, his foot didn't touch until after the ball was down. Um, and the real pleasing thing is James Lowe is a real likeable player. The Irish team are really likeable individuals, but James Lowe is, the way he comes across with the interviews after and his um, attitude on the field, you can see he's really enjoying the game. The shoulders aren't dropped, they're really perked up. He's playing with a smile. And the most pleasing aspect of it is I would have been one of the people questioning Andy Farrell um, in his first season. And even after the interview, uh, the interview after the game with Johnson Sexton, 
he kind of referenced that the first year wasn't great, second year wasn't great, third year things are starting to motor nicely. And I mean, the one pleasing thing that after the match yesterday as well with Andy Farrell's interview is he's only solely focused on the Italian match. Uh, where before it may have fed into the squad a bit, being world number one, being favourites to do well in the World Cup. Um, that kind of did feature into it. Ireland are playing with more freedom of expression as well. There, there's a structure there, but it's not over-demanding. I mean, some of the plays, you can actually see it feeding down into the under-20s with their win over France on Friday night as well. They're just some of the movements is exceptional. And um if they just can keep the expectation down, I mean the media hype, stop talking about the world number one status. Um stop talking about winning absolutely. the World Cup anyway. Exactly. Just try and get out of the pool. Then focus on the quarter final get over the quarterfinal folks and semi take it game to game and that's the attitude I really like out of Andy Farrell at the moment. Um but in saying that it's very hard to not look at the year that Irish rugby's after having uh win the first ever test series in New Zealand, backing it up with victories over Australia and South Africa. I mean, that was where the real big test was yesterday because they didn't, they comprehensively beat France. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it was close there for long periods, but Ireland, the Irish squad finished stronger. Previously, if a game, unless Ireland really blasted France in the early stages, you come the second half. The, the hope would fade, you'd be saying here, France will get a last-minute try or they'd come out real gusto in the second half. But Ireland looked the fitter side. Uh, with all the work that France are after putting in rebuilding, say, from underage levels up, I mean, there were four points in it last year and it wasn't really that great performance by Ireland yesterday. I won't say it was the complete package, but it was very, very close. But the real banana skin this year in the Six Nations could be Scotland. Uh, the victory yeah, definitely Scotland, Scotland are playing well. Yeah, the victory Scotland had over England, well, okay, England's injuries they have and all of that. Uh, morale is very low. New coach going in, similar England could be a team two years' time, two, three years' time, like Ireland war under Andy Farley take that time. Scotland under uh, what's the the name of the coach? Uh, Gregor Townsend. I, Gregor Townsend, uh, yeah. Um, I mean they're they're close. They're close for a few year, and that victory over Wales yesterday, that was a hammering thirty five seven. Wales rugby, they're in a bad position at the moment. Warren Gatlin will get him back, but not going off topic, Robbie. Scotland always give Ireland really tough challenge. There are sometimes scoreline to be one sided, but um that'd be that'd be a real tester after France. Um Yeah, I think I, Ireland play Italy next and the 
yeah. I think the good news for Ireland is that France and Scotland have to play each other. So, in a way, if France beats Scotland, uh, that takes the the Grand Slam element out of it for Scotland, if you know what I mean. So, say, yeah, if Scotland go and beat France in their next game, then both teams have been unbeaten going into that game, and it's like, okay they're playing us for a Grand Slam, we're playing them for a Grand Slam sort of a thing. So then I think it heightens the the emotions for the Scots that way. Um, so I nearly prefer, like I'd like to see obviously Scotland be France, but in the, <laughs> in the general for the tournament, for us, it would be better if France beat Scotland and then Scotland are kind of coming down from a bit of a downer going into the, the game with us, um, if you get me. So, and then we yeah. have to play England at our last game. And, you know, even if England, you know, are terrible, you know, for the rest of the tournament, they're playing Italy today. Uh, even if they're terrible for the rest of the tournament, they would love nothing more than to spoil a Grand Slam for us in the last game. <laughs> so, oh, uh, definitely. There was yeah. an article. Sorry for, um, sorry, I thought there was a pause. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, go on, go on. I was finished. Um, there was a. Uh, an interview there with of oh, what Sandy Farrell's son's name, oh, kicker for England. Oh Jesus! Uh, I can't. Guy, I'm not sure his name. Yeah, I can't think of his name, and I should. But uh, there was an interview, and he was asked about his son uh, wearing an Ireland jersey, and no way would he allow it, even though his father is Irish head coach. He's oh yeah, Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell is it? Oh, Farrell, on Farrell, sorry. Yeah, um, so it just shows there'd be an added incentive there as well, the son getting one over the father as well. But um, I, I, yeah, England will try and do it. I just think, I think we we wouldn't fear going over. We're playing them in the Viva Stadium as well. That's a big, huge boost. A team that would be a tricky test as well, and it, it it will depend on the result today, and it'd be a question of how good Italy were or how bad France were. Is Italy, um, because the two kind of banana skins, not to Steve Sonton on it, but two potential banana skins are the two away games, Scotland and Italy, because you never know what could. Now, in saying that, on the run of farm Ireland's on, you should expect. But you'd be wary and you'd be taking each game as it comes, kind of way. Yeah, definitely. I think they're they're all banana skins. Italy in Rome, uh, Scotland in Edinburgh, and then England at home in the last game. They're all potentially where we could lose a Grand Slam. Um, yeah, cool. So another thing that's happening today um which you're not really that big of a fan of is the NFL Super Bowl is on tonight TJ so I was talking to you off air and you're not you're not staying up to watch it unfortunately no I'm not no um I have <laughs> how sad things are I have a habit of getting up in the morning go for a run early and uh, then head to work and so yeah no what I what I will do is I will try and get into it I know I said the same last year I I I love the kind of the the hype around it. If I was if if I was able to afford to um and secure a ticket, I say it'd be an unbelievable t- 
thing to be asked. I say be maybe one of the closest things to say GA hurling their football final or Camogie finals, but I I mean it's just the hype around it. I mean it's it's one of the biggest days in American and um, sporting sporting life in a sense. I mean there's huge parties. There's actually one in Dublin uh, tonight. The, I can't think of the name of the club, but it's the Irish-American Irish football club based in Dublin. And mm. they're having a big screening of it. I'm not sure. I think it's in the academy in Dublin. So um, I won't be staying up to watch it uh, because it'd be like... Um, looking into a car engine. I might have the basic idea of it, but I just wouldn't be able to. Un but what I will do is I will start getting into it and then this time next year I'll be an expert on it. That's it, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's on half 11 tonight, Irish time, so probably be finish it up at uh, three in the morning, thereabouts. Um, and you've got Rihanna doing the halftime show, and more importantly, you have one of my uh, favorite musicians, Chris Stapleton, is doing the national anthem before the game. So I'm gonna definitely be watching that. But um, yeah, there's gonna be lots of razzmatazz before and after, during, mid game of uh, that all goes along with the this huge sporting event. Um, so you've got the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. You know they're gonna be two really well matched teams. Both of the the quarterbacks are carrying an injury, uh, an ankle injury for the Chiefs uh, quarterback and a shoulder injury for the Eagles quarterback. So they've had two weeks off, so they're going to be two weeks better injury-wise. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it should be a great game. It's going to be probably like a one-score game right till the very end. They're just, they're, they're two very good teams uh, offensively and defensively. Um, you could say that the Eagles have the better overall team. And that uh, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, is going to be the quarterback for the Chiefs. He's the best um, player in the game, uh, or most valuable, but most important player. He was named the MVP of the league um, just recently as well. So, yeah, it's going to be, should be a cracking game. Um, so, as the winning and losing will be if the, either team can protect their quarterback effectively. A couple of years ago, Tom Brady played against the Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes was running for his life all evening or afternoon or whatever way you want to phrase it. Um, so he wasn't able to, to have the effect on the game. So if the, if the Chiefs can protect him effectively, then they have a really good chance to win. Um, and I'm hoping as a Cowboys fan that the Eagles don't win because it's going to be a long, long off-season of listening to... The, the Eagles being the Super Bowl champions and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully that doesn't happen. So uh, what we'll do now is we'll go on to our picks of the week, TJ. TJ, so what are your uh, what are your picks this week? Yeah, no, I'm watching. I think I may have mentioned in them on the podcast before, but I'm back watching a lot of Wheeler Dealers and Car SOS. They're nearly... Basically, around the same concept. One is selling, uh, buying cars, doing them up and selling them. And Mike Brewer and um, there are various mechanics on it. And Car SOS is an English version of um, 
what's that Irish program and doing up houses? Only they take cars for people that may room to improve. Yeah, room to not that it'd be kind of house SOS and a kind of thing. They take cars from people that um would have a real passion and love for them. The cars may be in bits and they do them up for them and then unveil them again. The person could be have a life debilitating illness or um a life debilitating illness or um uh say terminal illness so it's uh yeah no it's really interesting so it's uh yeah definitely something to watch um listening to a good few kind of hurling podcasts and that as well and uh yeah i i, I hope i filled a bit of time there robbie because listen sorry i dropped off there we had a drop off <laughs> i dropped off uh, so, um you didn't hear it. My thing, fast fingers coming to play. There are no dead air anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, just fat, fat fingers. I accidentally left left the call. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> Over to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. So this week, you know, I'm going to sound super nerdy when I say this, but I was listening to a podcast on Spotify. It's called The History of Westeros, and it's all about the George or or R. Martin's uh, universe um, of Westeros and all the different topics of Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon and all the sort of super super nerdy stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm just yeah, it's definitely if you're if you're a super nerd like me, this is really good, really good information. You know, it kind of it expands on different things that maybe you mightn't get from reading the books or just or the shows or and stuff like that. So. Yeah, super nerdy. And uh, then the other show I'm watching is um a Netflix show called Dark. Um, so the reason I'm watching this is that it came in number one in the top ten of Netflix shows to watch, and it was one of the ones that I hadn't seen. So I said, yeah, I'll definitely check it out because it's number one. Now it's a German film, a German TV series. Now you can watch it in, you can watch it where it's dubbed, where it's like different voice actors are doing the voices. But I'm not really a huge fan of that. So no, it's terrible. Well, I I prefer I prefer when it's uh I prefer watching the subtitles because you can hear what they're saying, but you can also get their you know. There's just the acting is better with the subtitles than if it's dubbed. It just kind of seems really false and fake and stuff. So, but yeah, it's kind of a bit of a mad uh show to be honest with you. Um, lots of different things happening. There's like children going missing. And then there's like a time travel element to it. And it's all set to the backdrop of this town where there's like a nuclear power plant. And yeah, it's all just just a bit mad, to be honest with you. So uh, I still don't really know what's happening. But I'm on halfway through season one of three seasons. So hopefully you get to the bottom of it soon. But yeah, it's a really good, enjoyable watch. Um, yeah, so they're my picks of the week. Cool. Um, cool. when you mentioned the dub there it reminds you of those really old kind of cheap produced films where the, the dub and they'd be about five minutes behind the actual movement to the mouth so yeah. <laughs> like it's not as bad but you can kind of it's uh, I just I just prefer the the subtitles I know there's some people that won't watch something with subtitles um, they just can't be bothered and that's you know that's your own preference but yeah I think you know like sometimes it dubs kind of works, but then other times it doesn't. Um, 
but yeah so definitely definitely watch check it out um cool so what we're, go- we're gonna do is we're gonna move on to the next topic and this one was inspired by lebron james he broke the or he's the top scorer in the nba all time now uh, as of during the week and i suppose a lot of people are saying oh this means he's definitely the goat um of basketball and then there was like when say when say um Messi won the World Cup, that people people were saying, oh, definitely he's the goat, um, that sort of thing. So, I'm just well, I was just going to bring it up with you now, TJ. But I think we're going to go to a little break. Um, bring it up, just saying that you know what actually makes someone a goat of a sport is it the the awards and the accolades, or is it something more intangible than actual you know silverware and stuff like that? So, yeah, but we'll come back to that uh, after the break. Okay. Yeah, cool, Robbie. Talk to you in a minute and there'll be no oh, break man. for the listeners. <laughs> no break. <laughs> All right. Talk to you in a minute. So, TJ, what do you think about the, the GOAT debates? Or are you kind of a bit tired with some of them? Or what do you think actually makes someone, someone a, a GOAT of a sport? I was just thinking, actually, before. We're after having about 10 points, a meal for three. And all of that in about a 10 second break for the listeners. So, yeah, kind of yeah. just thinking <laughs> how interesting that is. Um, yeah, no seriousness going back to um, grace of all time. I think it's uh, an overused term. Um, I might have been guilty of it. But, I mean, a player has a good performance. They're considered the greatest of all time. It could be only one game. I mean, you see how the tide is after turning with... Um, Holland for Man City I mean people were predicting what he do now I'm not saying he won't do it or what he done isn't great but um, I I think it's an overused term um, in the context of Messi yeah you could say it's um, it's deserved for what he's after doing but I mean we were kind of just chanting off air before we recorded why is it always well-known sporting individuals that they could be, they could be maybe not as well-known people that would be doing absolutely unbelievable work? Are, um, but I think it's a real overused term that's kind of done to sell papers and sell advertising. Yeah, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that as well, and you know. We get a bit of mileage talking about it and stuff like that, but you know, we were saying about Messi, um, like if he hadn't won the World Cup, and he just went on and finished his career, you know, would he still be the greatest of all time, in a lot of people's oh. eyes, or is it just yeah. that like people think he is the greatest of all time, and then they just use that? Oh, he's won the World Cup as well, so therefore, you know, he is the best of all time. Um, whereas you could have some other players that maybe have won multiple World Cups and, you know, that you don't even know who they are because they're just squad players or something like that. Yeah, like, there's an interesting thing. I mean, one of the greatest Irish rugby players was uh, Brian O'Driscoll. Uh, but because of the performances and everything that Jonathan Sexton's doing, he could be after taking over the mantle. I mean, you look at, say, if you turn it to GEA, you had um, Henry Shetland, 
and that's after being taken over by TJ Reid with what he's doing. You look at Kerry football, you had Colin Cooper before that. Um, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Morris Fitzgerald, then Colin Cooper, and now David Clifford. So I think the grace of all time is an overused phrase. I mean, if you take back the context, TJ Reid, two years ago would have been considered one of the greatest and now it could be Keen Lynch of Limerick. And it, it depends on the the certain time. There always will be great players, but the term grace of all time is a bit overused when from year to year that can change. Yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, if Keen Lynch never wins another All-Ireland, you know, he still has an, has an impressive segment of a career, but I suppose in a debate like that, you have to have longevity as well. Like if you do it, for, if you're the best for two or three years, like you can't really say you're the greatest of all time because you only did it for a small amount of time. Um, exactly. But yeah, yeah, I know like, I and like this is the thing about David Clifford, like a lot of people saying, oh, he's the greatest ever. And it's like, he's won one All-Ireland. Um, you know, so like I don't think you can kind of really say it about him. Like he, he could potentially be, he has the potential to be, one of the greatest players ever, if not of all time. But, you know, saying that about him now is a bit redundant because he hasn't done enough in the game. You know, you'd argue that, you know, any of the Dublin players of the last, you know, of the, you know, 2010s have a more impressive resume than he has and more entitled to that claim than he does. Um, So, yeah, like it, it can depend on, you know, what era you're in with the team. Like you could say, like with, uh, TJ Reid that maybe like some people say oh he's better than Henry but Henry has a more impressive resume in terms of All-Ireland success so you know there's there's kind of different sort of nuances to it and then you, a lot of people would say oh Joe Canning is the best but sure he only yeah. has one All-Ireland you know so yeah it's, there's it's kind a of player, a... there's a player sorry there uh, for Bunton there's a player there we never mentioned at all and before Henry Shefflin he was and still is among an awful lot of people DJ Carey considered one of the greatest players and um, mm. before that Nicky Rockard of Wexford Eddie Kerr of Kilkenny um, it, it kind of comes in peaks and troughs and so that's why I think it's a really overused, um, overused phrase because I think one context I could cons- would consider greatest is if someone has a high profile is what they do away from the field. Um, now, I'm not sure to say the charity work that Messi does. He could do a lot of it, but I would have heard of, say, the the generous nature or charity work that um, say Sadio Mane done for Liverpool, Ronaldo done um, so grace of all time I would consider greater than what they do on the field of plays actions away from it as well and um, maybe I'm digging a bit too deep into it but that's that's where I think the term is overused a lot you could have someone great on the field of play and you don't know what to be or what to be up to away from it kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, so there's lots of uh, nuances and different parts of uh, 
that debate. So definitely the debates will continue. Um, cool. So we'll go on to our last topic, which is the highball teach. The highball. Woo! Oh. <laughs> so this topic is brought up essentially by Leonardo DiCaprio and his uh, dating habits and that he's he's currently with a 19 year old um and he's 48 um and then i seen as well during the week there was a 19 year old man who married a 76 year old woman but but the fact that she's a billionaire maybe doesn't play into well maybe it does <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but um i suppose i was just going to say like once you know people are of legal consenting age, does it really matter what age people are? Uh, when if they're going out, uh, I don't think so. Uh, I see it in my own personal life with parents, it would be an age gap, and I see how happy they are and how content and everything. But when you take the concept of well known celebrities and all of that are people that would have vast riches, that's where the question would be. I mean, <laughs> would 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 say that 19-year-old look at that 76-year-old woman if she wasn't a billionaire? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people would say no. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so... And does it change yeah. like if, if it's like a gender thing? So say like if you switch it around and it's a 19-year-old woman getting with a 76-year-old man, you know, does that make it creepier or, you know, does that make it weirder than, say, if it's if it's roles reversed? You know, say, you know, if it's a 19-year-old who's dating a 48-year-old, 19-year-old man who's dating a 48-year-old woman, like people will look at that differently than, you know, the other way around, you know? Oh, definitely. It'd be completely hypocritical. I mean, there'd be serious questions asked about the elder man uh, compared to the elder woman. And that's just the the, the thing at the moment. And I mean, an awful lot of it is um, deserved (coughs) um, because of you hear some of the stories that are going on and you hear some of the things that men try and get away with. Um, it definitely doesn't feed in so when you have the genuine people they are questions asked or they're called sickos or whatever so I mean it's yeah it's completely hypocritical there's a double context there but um, once it, I, if it's actually genuine that they aren't any financial gain or benefit to be got out of it you say fair enough, but if you have someone being used just because of their wealth or something like that, that's where I think, yeah, that that's completely wrong. Now, the yeah, person if people who will use their wealth to their advantage, you know, the way so maybe the billionaire woman is using the fact that she's like rich to you know get a younger man, and oh, Leonardo was using his profile and all this sort of stuff to get with, um, you know. 19 year old and early 20s uh, models and, and stuff like that you know so I suppose like it depends on at a certain point who's taking advantage of who and like that goes for all relationships that you know if someone's taking advantage of the other person then that's not right I suppose you know so um, yeah so it's just kind of an interesting thing that kind of came up there 
uh, during the week when they had the Leo comparison. And then there was just, then this other one came out and I was like, oh, this is kind of the same thing, really. Like, you know, there's a huge age gap there. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's kind of on a bit of a scale, if you know what I mean. So say if a woman, for example, or a man is like in their late 20s, then say dating someone who's 10 years or 20 years older is less weird than say if someone is 18 or 19 and they're dating someone who's 20 years older than if that makes sense. Yeah, I know, definitely. I mean, there's, well, I mean, there. it's kind of a complex one because you have real genuine, but you'd be, there's a real fear when it comes to, say people that would be in advanced years or that they that they're that they're being taken advantage of solely because now that's the perception but there's also a very interesting point you made there that you could have someone that would be in advanced years with vast wealth that would be using it for their their advantage as well oh look is who i have hanging off my shoulder like um, but uh, I know it's a really interesting topic where I have real kind of it might sound bad in a sense but some of the celebrity relationships you hear you're kind of saying to yourself well how long is this going to last like it it kind of goes with just the phases that 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 their life is in at that time I mean there's the the real the real kind of example of kind of a really great celebrity relationship is Tom Hanks. Uh, I can't think of his wife's name, but she's uh, an actress as well. And I mean, you can really say that that is a real, but then you have, you'd be kind of looking at others and you'd be thinking to yourself here, this is only for possible career progression. Our, the phase that they're in at that at that particular time, but um, I know it's uh, now that might be bad. There could be a thousand and one arguments against what I said there, but it just seems when you see the the way the announcements and all of that, you have people getting engaged after a few months, and then a few months later, it's broken off. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely interesting topic. Um, yeah, and. No doubt we'll uh, be seeing Leonardo DiCaprio with several different girlfriends over the next few years, I would imagine. Um, cool. So we'll finish it up there to you. So uh, good chats as always. Oh, uh, pleasure as always. Yeah, cool. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and yeah, happy days. Yeah, pleasure, Robbie. Sorry there was a delay there in it. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, no worries. All right, sound each. Sound, Robbie. Take care. Right, Thanks. Good luck. Good luck. Bye bye. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye.